You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Julie Broadway, president at the American Horse Council. And I'm Megan Arsman, marketing and communications specialist at the American Horse Council. And you are listening to the special monthly American Horse Council episode of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for December 5th, 2023. Good morning, horse world, and happy holidays. It's time to hear from the American Horse Council in this monthly episode of Horses in the Morning. Thank you very much for tuning in this morning. If you're a regular listener to our podcast, you may recall when we spoke with Denise and Jennifer from Amplify Horse Racing in the United States Pony Clubs about how their respective groups are encouraging youth participation in the horse industry. In today's episode, we're going to piggyback off of that and talk to a PhD student who is researching how horses are truly shaping the lives of youth involved with horses as their professional lives. She has worked with several different national youth organizations, such as the American Quarter Horse Youth Association, the National Rain Horse Youth Association, and the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. I feel like there are so many opportunities for horse-loving children and young adults to become involved in the industry. We just need to try to help shine a light on them, right, Julie? That's right, Megan. And a couple of years ago, the American Horse Council formed a youth engagement task force. And the purpose of that task force was to bring together anyone in the industry who had a stake or an interest in trying to grow youth participation in the industry. It didn't have to be just riding. It could be in any nature. Um, And so we've got a task force that's maybe about 20 strong from all different sectors of the industry. They meet every other month. So if one of your listeners is interested in this topic, reach out to me and I'll be happy to chat with you a little bit about it. It's not a big time commitment, but it's a lot of fun and we get to share um, successes and failures that we've all experienced when we're trying to engage youth and really try to concentrate on where are the missing pieces. Most recently, we've been working on a resource page you'll find on our uh, American Horse Council website Mm -hmm. that has a list of all kinds of internships and scholarships and collateral and all kinds of content that people can take advantage of. We recently did an ag educator survey Uh, which was really fascinating to try to learn what ag educators are looking for as it relates to content around the horse industry. Um, I think what I heard from the survey, Megan, was that ag educators feel like we're sort of that missing piece. Most of their um, their, uh, participants uh, have a connection maybe with other types of livestock, but maybe not as closely with horses. And so they're mm-hmm. constantly looking for content. And so we're trying to point them to good educational content and good experiences uh, and uh, try to, to get them more informed and hopefully convert them over to being involved with horses. And that's and that's important to note that the American Horse Council, we are trying to be that bridge for so many different gaps. So the task force is amazing. I know a few of the members on there, and we hope to do a little bit more to shine a light on the task force and the wonderful things that they that they are doing, as well as what other groups such as AQHA and and uh, NRHA and 
um, you know, harness horse and, um, you know, Arabians have a youth organization. So it's great. As a a mom of a horse-loving girl myself, I'm really excited to talk with Caitlin today. So let's get right to it, shall we? So we're so excited to have our guest today, which is Caitlin Lundsman. She's a PhD student at the University of Florida in Agricultural Education and Communications. Boy, that's a mouthful. Uh, Originally, From southwestern Ontario, she completed her honors bachelor's of science in animal biology for the University of Guelph. Do I say that correctly? Guelph. Well, see, I I know Guelph. Guelph. And she worked for more than 10 years at a reigning and western pleasure training and breeding barn in Pickering, Ontario. Her other horse experiences includes working as a carriage driver and as a trails guide in the Rocky Mountains in Alberta, Canada. Uh, So she's covered a lot of sectors of our industry, which is great because it gives her super, super great uh, perspective. She's passionate about horses, Disney, which may be why she's in Florida, I'm guessing, (laughs) leadership and education, and has combined most of her passions into her studies. This past spring, she finished her master's while focusing on the impacts of horse experiences on youth and their authentic leadership skills. And so I'm really intrigued with this. Uh, The goal of her work is to dive deeper into the understanding of how our relationships and experiences with horses and other animals impact who we are, how we behave, and the skills we acquire as human beings. Um, this study is being continued into her PhD research, so we're looking forward to calling her Dr. Caitlin soon, uh, and she hopes to make this the real focus of her career. So, Caitlin, welcome. We're so delighted to have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here and get to talk with you guys today. Totally. It's, this is such a unique way to look at the impact of horses and kids, and so, and, you know, we... It, we think about we think that already we tell everybody oh yeah you know you're a different person because of growing up with horses but you don't think about how that is and how it does affect you in so many ways so when i heard about your study when and i was like i was like oh yeah this will be very interesting so thank you for joining us and megan i would say it's interesting because everybody talks anecdotally about the benefits of being mm-hmm. around horses but Caitlin's work is really quantifying this and really proving those points, which is what is so great to me, because that gives us a body of work to go out into the world and say, we're just not talking about this because we love our horses. We've got proof. We've got evidence here that says this really results in the following skill sets and these things that that come along. Exactly. Data is key. So thank you, Caitlin, for doing the hard work on that. Thank you both. Um, I, I just appreciate getting to talk to you guys about it. It's It's been a long time coming and um, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. Like This is something that I think we hear about in the industry, but we haven't really quantified it. We haven't really gone out and researched it. And so I'm really excited to be here and be doing that now. So yeah. Now, first of all, and Julie touched on this in, in the intro, but it must mm-hmm. have been a shock to your system with the weather differences between Ontario and Gainesville, Florida. So what led you to attend the University of Florida for your master's studies and now for your PhD? <laughs> um, well, she wasn't far off with the Disney thing. That, that's, <laughs> that helps a little bit for sure. Um, but to be honest, what actually happened, it gets back into my background a little bit. Um, so as you guys mentioned, I graduated with my degree in animal biology from Guelph in, in Ontario. Um, and I I knew that I wanted to work 
with horses from when I was really young. And I pretty much begged my mom from when she put me on a horse when I was six, like that was, (laughs) it just kept going. Um, But I started working with them when I was about 14 and I knew I wanted to do something with animals, but I didn't, and with horses, but I didn't know what. And a lot of people told me my option was being a vet or that's it. And I really didn't want to be the option. That wasn't where I wanted to end up. So I finished my bachelor's degree. um, And then I went out West, as we were talking about, I ended up working as this carriage driver and wagon driver. I even drove sleighs actually for a while as well um, and trail guiding. And when I was out there, what you guys were just talking about, that's what I was hearing, right? So I was hearing these experiences from people that were all over the world now and telling me that horses helped me learn this. They helped me learn that. I They were my therapy. They helped me build confidence. They helped me do all these different mm-hmm. things. And that kind of, my researcher brain kicked off and I started diving into a rabbit hole going, where do we have anything that's saying this? Are we talking about this? What are we doing? And so. From there, from the biology standpoint, I kind of knew we'd done some physiological stuff. We looked a little bit at that, but what else was out there? And so I started looking. um, And when I did, I actually found this program that I'm in, Agricultural Education and Communication at UF, which is a mouthful for sure. But we do a lot of things, which is kind of (laughs) cool. So I found this program. And at the same time, what I found was I found a dissertation on an equine assisted learning program um, by Brittany Adams Pope. And she was uh, advised at the time by Dr. Nicole Stedman at UF. And so the way it kind of works in the research side of things, I was like, okay, well, someone has advised this type of research before, maybe I could get in touch with her. And I got really lucky because I reached out to Dr. Stedman and she was willing to meet with me, connected with me. And um, we hit it off pretty much right away on that phone call. And she was like, this makes sense. I understand what you're talking about. I know that this is actually a thing and we can go somewhere with this. And so um, she was super supportive. She's helped me carve out my path and actually be able to like do this research, um, which as we talked about, isn't really being done too much yet. So um, that is really what got me to UF was, was finding her and following this whole journey down here. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really, really cool. Well, that, that's a great lead into my next question because the thesis is called horsepower, how youth, uh, equine experience, its impact, authentic leadership development. So I think you've sort of told us a little bit about what the inspiration was for this thesis, but tell me a little bit of the methodology. I mean, how, what did, what kind of research did you do yeah. to try to make your case for this thing? Yeah. So, so it did really start out West and it started with this whole hearing people's stories and going, okay, this is, this is really what I'm passionate about. And then, From there, we kind of looked into, okay, well, I really want to see how it impacts youth. Like that's something I'm really passionate about. And um, I don't know how much you guys know about master's programs, but they're not that long. They're pretty short. Um, So you have to be able to do your research relatively quickly. Um, And so as we looked into things with youth, a lot of a lot of direct research with youth takes a lot of time and there's a lot of workarounds because you're working with kids. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot of safety aspects in that. Um, so between that and like looking into the literature and seeing that there wasn't much there, um, 
I was actually talking with a colleague of mine and she had kind of mentioned, well, you could start, you could start with a survey with adults and ask them if they're, you know, did their youth experience impact who they are now? And, and that's a little bit of a quicker way to hear and, and hear what's going on with them. And um, as my advisor and I, Dr. Sedman and I kind of went back and forth and back and forth about this, this spitballed into a whole study because we were like, well, we can start to really explore this and why not, Instead of just asking a survey, why not add interviews to that as well? And then we can really hear people's stories, really dissect those and see what those experiences were. Um, so in what in the research side of things, we call it an explanatory mixed method study. But essentially, we did a survey. And then from there, I interviewed about 12 folks in different horse associations, and they gave me their stories of how horses have impacted them throughout their lives um, from their youth into their adulthood and how that translated um, into their leadership now. And so it was really cool getting to listen to all of that. And then I got to dive in after and analyze it and bring out the themes from what they had talked about. Oh, that's really great. Yeah. I think I'm, it occurred to me, I had I had in the back of my mind, you know, sort of the scientific part of this, thinking about um, the Man of War Project, which is looking at how veterans who are struggling with PTSD mm-hmm. or recovery and how horses benefit them. And they're measuring their brain reaction to this yeah. engagement with horses. And so I wondered if you were getting ready, maybe that's part of the PhD, you're mapping <laughs> all those things where you're figuring out, hey, you know, do the, do these when these experiences occur, does it light up something in our brains that makes things change or makes things happen? Yeah. Well, and I think there's such a crossover to me between what we see on a social level and what you see in that like physiological level. Like Mm -hmm. I think that there's such a mirroring there. Um, And even things that my participants talked about in terms of like horses mirroring you and like horses mirroring that action. Well, then I've looked back at other studies and there's been studies about horses cortisol levels being mirrored, like mirroring the cortisol Mm -hmm. levels of people, mirroring the heartbeats of people. And so it seems to go beyond just that like physiological, like it's a social and physiological combination that is just really fascinating. It it is. And I'm don't I don't want to digress too far, but at some point maybe we'll we'll interview uh Lynn Thomas with um Horses for Mental Health because they're doing some fascinating Mm -hmm. stuff over there about exactly what you're describing, Caitlin, how horses have such a big impact on people's mental health um and can be used in ways um that a lot of folks hadn't really considered uh to help people who are struggling with uh, a variety of of things. Uh, so cool. Megan, you're up. Yeah, I mean, and to piggyback off of that, you know, we've all heard how hippotherapy or horse therapy is beneficial for people with disabilities and cognitive differences. Um, but we never really did think about how horses affect your life growing up um, when you really think about it. I mean, I know I can mm-hmm. and Julie can, and I'm sure you as well, Caitlin. Um, but you're, the big thing is you say authentic leadership. What do mm-hmm. you consider as an authentic leadership? And what are the qualities that you see with someone that is an authentic leader? Yeah, I like, I like this question because I think um, sometimes we get into the jargon in our field a bit. So yeah, <laughs> for, for me specifically, um, being in ag ed and communication, I actually specialize in leadership development. So that's kind of what I'm studying. And okay. so, um, what's within that is authentic leadership is actually one of these theories that has been proposed about leadership. And so it was a theory kind of developed um, by several different authors. There's a lot of different work on it. The model that I used 
combined work from uh, Wollumbwa, Luthens, and Evolio. It kind of put different pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially what it talks about is that authentic leaders should aim to develop four different competencies. And so the four competencies they really talk about is uh, self-awareness, ethics and morals, balanced processing, and relational transparency. And so to give you like really brief insight into that, um, self-awareness is what we all kind of think about. It's it's how aware we are of ourselves. It's understanding our strengths and weaknesses and how we're perceived and all of those things and how you're feeling. Um, the ethics and morals is interesting because it really focuses on how consistent you are with your ethics and morals. So not just do you have them, but do you behave in a way that is consistent with what you believe? Are you, and which really drives home that authentic piece, right? Like, are you behaving consistently? Um, and then balanced processing is looking at how you make decisions and how you react to things, which is a really fascinating thing when we talk about horses to think about is how you make decisions and how you react to things. Um, And then finally, that relational transparency piece that comes in when it talks about um, how we communicate with other people and how we display our emotions, which also gets very interesting with horses, I think. And so in my study, I pulled in this theory and this idea of authentic leadership for a couple of reasons. We had found and Dr. Sebman had done in previous equine assisted learning literature, they'd looked at authentic leadership and they had found that it was a good model with horses. Um, but then in this, in addition to that, um, when we talk about these things with horses and a lot of the stuff that we talk about them doing, it leans into this emotional intelligence side of things, I think, a lot of the time. And so there's a lot of connections between authentic leadership and emotional intelligence. And even when I'm talking about, you know, displaying your emotions openly and being consistent with, with mm-hmm. your values and all of that, Um so there's a lot of a lot of that alignment there. And so that's where we were like, okay, this seems like it could be a good fit and a good start to see talking about leadership and talking about how these people view themselves as leaders. Turn your love of horses into savings with equine discounts through the NTRA. Purchase through equine discounts and receive great savings on well-known brands like John Deere, Sherwin-Williams, Big Ass Fans, Farmers Insurance, and Office Depot. Join thousands of other equine members and support companies that give back to the industry we all love. Call 866-678-4289 or visit equinediscounts.com to start saving today. As an association leader um, and working with other association leaders in the equine industry, uh, we spend a lot of time talking amongst ourselves about that's the skills that you need to be an authentic leader and about emotional intelligence. And those being two of the, the big things, because you're working with a large membership base, you have a staff, mm-hmm. and then you have a board. So you've got sort of three tiers. And so you have to be so self-aware and you have to be so transparent and so real. And, you know, mm-hmm. all those things that you've described, Caitlin, in order to be really good in this role. Um, and so it's a great conversation. And I'm thrilled that you are learning the tips and the tricks to cultivate that in the next group of leaders, because I think over the next, I don't know, five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot of the association, especially in the equine industry, the equine association executives start to um, move on or to retire. Mm -hmm. And we need to be cultivating that pipeline to move into these jobs. And some programs are doing a great job with that. I'm really impressed with AQHA's program. They have a great youth program. And then they have the AQHA Leads program, which is their young adult program. Um, I see it in the Morgan breed. Um, They have a great youth 
program. They also have their Young Adult Alliance, which is cultivating those young adults. Um, a couple of other breeds have similar things. I think the Arabs have one, uh, yeah. et cetera. Um, but but the, I think the industry has woke up to what you're exactly describing is it's our, yes. it's our responsibility to take these young people and the young adults and continue to help them on that journey so that we put them in an op- in a place and with an opportunity to be successful in our space. Uh, at some point. Otherwise, they're exactly what you described. They want to be, or they've been told, you can be a horse trainer or you can be a veterinarian. And there's a lot of other careers in the space (laughs) to be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And And they need to hear that. They need to know that, that there's more out there for sure. Cool, cool. Um, How do you see your research being used um, in in our industry or even outside our industry, um, when we think about, you know, we we dr- always drill down on horses, but I know your research is looking at horses and other animals. So talk to me a little bit about that and where do you think that's going? Yeah. So I think to get to where I'm going, I'm going to back up a little bit for you guys to give you a little bit of background for me Get and get a little personal maybe. <laughs> um, so when I was a kid, I didn't have access to horses right away. And I I may or may not have told you this before, but I didn't have access to horses right away. I, I knew I wanted to ever since I could talk, told my parents I wanted to get involved, but I really couldn't until I was about 14. And so at that time we couldn't, we couldn't afford much, started mm-hmm. working at the barns so that I could afford paying for my lessons so that I could keep going. But even in my like young adulthood, I very quickly realized that horses were not just an activity to me, right? They were not just something that I went and and did and rode. And they they helped me cope and going through a lot of difficult things in my youth. Um, they were that place that I could leave my life at the doorstep and I could really focus on myself and develop and grow and um, do all of those things. And so I learned so much. I learned to speak up for myself, to be confident, to be assertive, um, and just how to make decisions, how to do so many things while I was there working and just being around horses. And um, it wasn't until I was really older. And like I said, I was more out West in Banff and everything that I realized that this was a similar experience other people had had, that this wasn't just something that I went through. This was something other people went through. Um, And it's made me really passionate about these benefits that horses provide essentially, and that this is something that's happening to me that's happened to others and something that I think other people and other kids should have access to. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I'm going with, with my work and with what I'd like to see is that in a perfect world, I'd wish that kids never had any barriers to getting involved with horse activities, that there weren't financial barriers, that there weren't physical geographical barriers, because I grew up in the suburbs, right? So horses were not right on my next door. Like I had to, I had to get to the horses. We had to go there. And so I think I I want kids to be able to have that access and have these benefits. And, and I do think that the other animals provide them as well. I think my context is very horse specific, but I think that having more access to animals and nature in general is something that's really important. Um, so to get back to your real question here of like, what, what is my work going to be doing? I think what's important about it is that it starts to advocate for why youth should have access, why we should have these programs, why we should fund these kind of programs. Why should we, why should we bring horses to schools? Why should we bring animals places and get them, get kids involved with them? What, 
are these benefits that we've been talking about and traditionally talking about in the industry, but not necessarily bringing out to kids in other ways. And so I think it's important that we start building this work so that we can advocate for these programs so that we can Mm -hmm. get kids involved, get parents back behind us too and say, Hey, there's, there's, you know, it's not, it's not just because it's fun. Like there's, there's actual other benefits as well um, to what we're doing. And so I think ultimately to me, there's a lot of wisdom that you can learn from horses and a lot of wisdom you can learn from animals. And I think I just want kids to be able to have access to that as they grow up and they develop. Awesome. So tell our listeners where they can uh, find out more about your uh, your thesis, uh, where they can read what your findings were, and tell us a little bit about the whole PhD process and how long that's going to take and when we can (laughs) expect to see more. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the thesis itself, there's a couple things um, and I can give these guys to link in a couple of places. So there's my actual thesis itself is published online in the UF library. Um, It's titled Horsepower, How Youth Equine Experiences Impact Authentic Leadership Development. So that's that's the mouthful that is my thesis. (laughs) Um, It is quite long. Uh, and it's a little bit lengthy to read, but I did actually create a personal website as well. And so if you're interested in knowing more, um, I will give these guys the link to share, but it's essentially a caitlin.lunsman at wixsite.com. And um, you can go in and I have a page all about my thesis. It's got some basic findings there and it's got a video that gives a short synopsis of my thesis and like what that work did. Um, so if you want to find it, it's it's out there. Um and it hopefully we'll have a journal article soon too. We're, we're working away on that one. Um, as for the PhD itself, so my PhD, I just started this summer. Um, so we're in the very beginning stages right now. And it's going to take me about three years. I'm still at University of Florida. Um, so I'm still here, still near Disney, <laughs> uh, still near Ocala and all the horses. Um, but we are working still in leadership. I may get a little bit broader into emotional intelligence. I'm not sure yet, but the idea is still to focus on, um, I really want to focus on informal horse experiences. And so what I mean by that is not just programming. And and to some extent, I do want to look at at traditional horse programming of these youth programs that we do and, and, and riding and lessons and showing and those types of things. But I also want to look at these experiences that we have growing up of like cleaning, cleaning stalls, grooming horses, leading horses, turning out, helping breed, all those things that people do and how that develops us as, as humans essentially. And that's, I mean, that's part of what we look at in leadership in general is, is Mm -hmm. just human development. All right. How do we develop as people? Um, So that's kind of where I'm starting to head. Um, a dissertation is a, it's a lot bigger body of work. Um, so it may be one very big study, or it might be a couple pieces that I have to put together. Um, but we are currently building out those pieces. Um, and that's, that is my biggest call out to people as they, as they hear this. And as they listen, if you have stories, if you have ideas, if you have a program that's interesting that you want to tell me about, please contact me. Um, these guys, I'm sure will post my contact information somewhere. Yep. And yeah, so please, please reach out. Please let me know. We are, this is the beginning stages by about, I don't know, nine months to a year from now, I'll be developed a study 
and doing my next studies and collecting data and progressing with that dissertation. So now is the time. If you have suggestions, if you have ideas, if you're like, you know, I saw this program or or I know these people that are doing something really cool that I could study, that's where we want to get in right now and start thinking about that. Um, but yeah, that's um, good, good. I'm so glad you said that because I anticipated that we were going to have lots of people contacting us saying, I got yeah. a story to tell. Yeah. Put me in touch with her because I got something I want to share. Yeah. Um, so that's great. I'm going to, we'll, we'll share all of her mm-hmm. contact information uh, when we put up the show notes and do all, yeah. all that kind of thing. But yeah, I really encourage, we circulated your um, materials to the Equine Science Society, to the North American Affiliated Academics. So we've put you out on the radar to all the colleges <laughs> yeah. and the universities and the community colleges and everybody we could think of, because yeah. we really think that there are some fascinating uh, models out there, um, some some more robust and some a little more sophisticated and some really very, very simple. Um, I just finished interviewing a young woman from North Carolina who does uh, I think it's called Saddle Up and Ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's taking her horse and using her horse as a reading tool for small groups mm-hmm. of kids. And it's a fascinating story. Um, and there's a couple of others that are out there that are that are like that, um, that mm-hmm. to me are starting at a younger age. But that, yeah. you know, I don't know where your cutoff point is or what your sweet spot <laughs> is, Caitlin. But yeah. there's a lot of different little segments to this that I think would be really interesting to look at. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. And I I don't think I have any personal cutoff right now. I think the more information we just start to gather and connect people, the better. I think the more that we start to to share and document these stories, like the better and stronger we're going to be because we know, we know this exists and we know that, that horses have benefits, but I think, um, you know, sometimes people outside of our industry don't always understand that as well. And mm-hmm. I think so to be able to kind of share that a little bit with them and be like, hey, it's not just your crazy, crazy horse friend. I air quoted that for you, but <laughs> your your crazy horse friend, you know, it's not just your crazy horse friend that's like, oh, yeah, horses are amazing. That There's a whole population of people that have had some kind of impact that you know, really want to share it and, and want it to share with other people. So I think, I think that's important. And I think um, down the line, even past my PhD, I think right now we're still focusing on like building this body of literature to really support that something's happening and what's, and describe what is happening and what we've been feeling and talking about. Um, But I can see beyond that into like career I've already started talking to other faculty about, you know, the idea of developing more curriculum for horse programs too. And for, you know, if you want to run a leadership program, here's some curriculum you could use with, with horses and, and things like that. So the more we learn about what people are already doing, the better, because we can start learning from each other. So you may not, you may not be aware, Caitlin, but when we did our economic impact study in 2017, one of the new statistics we collected was that 38 million households in the U.S. contain a horse enthusiast. Only oh. a small portion of those, like 1.3%, actually own a horse, and only another smaller percentage participate but don't own. So the first group is yeah. participate and own. The second group is participate but don't own. And then we've got this last body, which are people who are just really in love with horses, very much engaged and eager to be a part of the industry. 
Um, maybe they, they watch it on TV or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, they file a Yellowstone for all I know, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, but there's this huge uh, brain trust out there that I think you can really take advantage of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, the the people are there. And, and the more we can actually connect them with horses, too. I know that's it, that's wild too, just even the population of people that that are passionate but aren't having access. And I think that's that's part of what I'm speaking to too. So hey, yeah. so Megan, I'm gonna do my shameless plug before we close out this uh this episode. So the episode that we're doing next month is a new marketing campaign that the American Horse Council has rolled out with our marketing alliance called hashtag here for horses. And it is trying to expose people to ways they can see horses or experience horses. So two different pathways you can go down. There's a website out there. And we're going to hear from Jen Grant of Zoetis and Christy Landware from the National Reining Horse Association, who are part of the Marking Alliance. And it's a two-pronged approach. We're saying not only are here for horses like, hey, we're here for horses. We love them. But we're also saying we're here for horses because we love them and support them. We want to look out for their well-being, et cetera. So it's it's a it's a little play on words there. So listeners, stay tuned. That's coming up. We're going to be talking about exposing people to horses in the next episode. So Caitlin, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Be sure to look, folks, for ways to get in touch with Caitlin uh, when the show uh, gets posted up. Absolutely. Yep, we'll definitely have all that information on our show notes. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed getting the chance to talk with you. Thank you. Best of luck in your in, in your research endeavors. I'm sure it'll be very enlightening in so many ways. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure it will. Here's some great reasons why your nonprofit should become a member of the United Horse Coalition. Through industry collaboration, the United Horse Coalition promotes education and options for at-risk and transitioning horses. Incentives for joining include access to a home for every horse training portal, and other educational materials and programs. Assistance with promotion. Networking with industry professionals. Free listings on equine.com. Purina feed coupons. Join as a nonprofit or as a support organization. Become a member of the United Horse Coalition today. Find out more at unitedhorsecoalition.org slash become a member. So that was awesome. I love talking with Caitlin and hearing all about everything that she's got going on. So we look forward to hearing more from her as time goes on. But Julie, what has been going on? We've got our legislative update. There's been a lot of different things going on in Washington, D.C. and all across the country in the horse industry. Hey, so there's good news and there's bad news. Uh, There's lots going on. But the bad (laughs) news is not a lot happening because we got got a little sort of issue in DC right now, but hopefully we're moving back toward towards where we need to be going. But the piece of legislation I wanted to focus on today, because it was so related to this topic, um, is called the FIT Act, P-H-I-T. It stands for Personal Health Investment Today. Um, it is um, Senate Bill 844. It's House Bill 3109. And this bill promotes physical and mental health by allowing the use of pre-tax medical funds to pay for qualified outdoor recreation expenses up to $1,000 per year for individuals or $2,000 for heads of household. 
Um, the idea here is that this would help individuals and families overcome financial barriers to active lifestyles. So it's just what Caitlin was talking about. How do we get overcome some of those right. challenges? So the FIT Act is going to cover things ranging from the cost of equipment like climbing gear or bikes and kayaks or camping equipment. It could cover things like park entry fees. It could cover snow uh, boards or snow skis, um, lift tickets. It could cover lessons. And we have gone to them and said, what do you think it's going to cover for the equestrian community? Right. And we think what we've heard from them is it's going to cover things like helmets and boots. Good. And some of those kinds of pieces of equipment. We don't have a laundry list of it right now. And again, this particular piece of legislation has not passed, but it's got a lot of co-sponsors. And I want to give a big shout out to Congressman Ron Kind. Um, He's from Wisconsin. And Mike Kelly, who's from Pennsylvania. Uh, Senators John Thune from South Dakota. And Chris Murphy from Connecticut. They are the champions for this particular piece of legislation. And we have partnered with the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. Uh, and we signed on to a letter to support this um, from the American Horse Council. So we're we're optimistic that this has some, some movement. Um, mm-hmm. If you didn't know today... They announced some new outdoor recreation bills that are going forward. And we're really excited about that because, again, one of the things we learned in the pandemic, if you've heard me talk about this in previous episodes, is that people really began to see the benefits and the value of that active outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. And wanting to get out and get on the trails and do things outside. So we've seen more support and more funding going towards all kinds of outdoor recreation opportunities and those kinds of things. And the FIT Act is just another layer on that because it's providing those those financial resources to overcome barriers to getting people out there and being active. That's awesome. I really... I. That'll be so great and to help pay for helmets for safety reasons and boots and everything. I mean, uh, that'll be such a big boost. And and also, we definitely will keep people apprised of the updates on that one. Yeah. And, you know, we hear all the time at the American Horse Council about um, people who um, their child decides they want to take riding lessons. They go, they sign up for their first riding lesson. And the first thing that happens is they get sticker shock where they say, okay, well, in order to take a riding lesson, you need a helmet and you need these kind of breeches and you need this boots and you need this and you need that. And the next thing the parent's like, whoa, wait a minute. Mm, Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. So (laughs) I I think this would go a long way in sort of helping overcome some of those obstacles Mm -hmm. that might be out there. Well, as a a mom who has spent the money on on uh, those things to get the, her child for riding and it's softball gear. I mean, it's all, it's, you know, one dozen, you know, it, it's all the same. So <laughs> it's, it's whatever you can do, but you know, any help that you can get monetarily, I think is great. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about youth programs such as AQHYA, NRHYA or HHYF or any of the other ones, including Um, Caitlin's work. We encourage you to search for them online and we're going to provide some links in our show notes. So take a look down, down below from where you've been listening to our podcast. And we want to invite you to join the American Horse Council and get subscribed to our monthly newsletter, which shares the latest in all of our legislative happenings, federal and state, um, as well as more information that horse owners like you might need to know. Um, I want to specifically call out that we're going to be celebrating the National Day of the Horse on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. December the 13th. So hope you guys will get on social media and help us campaign uh, for National Day of the Horse. 
And of course, um, we often have special webinars or other events that we put out, um, and we'd love for you to participate in those. Yeah, definitely. And you'll find out more information on those things if you follow the American Horse Council on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So follow us on there and look on how you can become a member of your local horse council to support your beloved industry locally as well. And you can subscribe to Horses in the Morning on any podcast player and find all the shows, including ours, on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. We would like to wish you and your family the happiest of holidays. Thank you for joining us all this year. And we're excited to start 2024 off with the new National Economic Impact Study. We expect to release the study sometime of the early to mid part of January. Um, And I'm really excited about some of the preliminary statistics that I've seen. I think they're very, very um, encouraging. And um, I think we're going to be really able to use them in a lot of wonderful ways. Yep. And so, as we always like to say here, we are hashtag here for horses. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.